0: Good morning. Good morning. How we doing? Me too. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you for this place that you've gifted to us, to the partnership of so many generous people. I pray that it would continue to be a place that you call your home, that those that come here, all of us would say of a truth, God is in this place. I pray for us in this new year as we go forward. I pray for my own heart that so easily can become hard and jaded towards those on the outside and those that are in need. I pray for me and for any in here like that, I pray that you would continue to move me to the same compassion that you have. That I'm blessed because my foundation is the rock. And when storms come and the winds blow, I'm secure. But they're on sand and it's shifting and it's changing and there's destruction and there's problems because of that. So may we be a place that continually grows in our grace and mercy and compassion for the unbeliever, for the broken, for the lost. I pray as we study this morning that the seed of your scripture be planted in good hearts and produce fruit that is 30, 60, 100 full, as only you can do. Miraculous magnificent harvest. So move, do what only you can do here. We come, we yield ourselves to you. You are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us, remake us to be vessels fit for honor. We pray this in your name, amen. Amen. So I have a great job, love it. Part of my job is I have conversations with people that I wouldn't normally have conversations with. And that's really special for me. And I talk to young people and I talk to middle-aged people and I talk to old people and it's the best. I talk to young people and it's fun because it kind of gets me riled up because young people have these like dreams and passions and desires and plans, right? They wanna get a career or a job where they have meaning and purpose and they make an impact and there's free food and they can wear their pajamas and Wi-Fi for free, right? So you're like, okay, all right, I can see that. And then I get to talk to old people and you know what they want? A nap. And I agree, (laughs) me too. Let's, the Lord gives his beloved rest, praise the Lord. And the The thing that I really love about this time of year, like God could have created the solar system where we revolve around the sun every 10 years or every 100 years. But it's every year, like this really great rhythm where we have an opportunity once a year to kind of stand back and reflect, how was 2022? Was it good? Was it bad? What was good? what was bad? It was okay right here, our walker. So I love that. And then you have that opportunity then to kind of look forward in 2023 and think about, well, what can I change? What can I do differently? How can I grow? Because all of us know people that have 20 years of experience at something and they're craftsmen, and they're great, and they're awesome. But we also know someone that has one year of experience that they repeated 20 times, and it's not so awesome. And we're like, I don't wanna be that person. It just repeats the same thing every year and till I'm hooked to tubes and I die. So how do I break out of this kind of holding pattern that so many of us can get into? And what everybody knows is this, the number one ingredient to kind of breaking Habits is you got to know your need. You have to know, I haven't arrived yet. Anyone in here arrived completely? Right? We all know that, hey, there's still stuff I need to do. There's still things that I need to change in my life. And what I've noticed, especially in talking to young people, and I think there was a little bit of it in my generation, but not so much. it's, It's really taken off, I think, in this younger generation, is there's this um, passed on brokenness from well-meaning parents like me, where we started to tell our children some things. We started to tell them like, hey, you are special and you can do anything you want. Didn't we tell that to our kids? And then the second thing that we did was this. We became, I call it snow plow parents, where we just decided we're gonna make sure our kids never encounter something difficult. So we just drove out in front of them, plowing any difficulty away from them. And we would go ballistic at times. So your child has a 4.0 and then a teacher gives them a B. So what do you do? You march down and you have a conversation with that teacher. How dare you give my daughter a B? She has a 4.0, she's gonna go to Princeton. You are ruining her life. And we berate them until they finally just say, okay, fine, Here she can have an A. Because we're snowplowing any difficulty out of their life. You used to call them curling parents, you know, the curling thing where you just sweep away all the little, little specks as we just want our kids to glide in safety and in freedom. So we become like, we're hurting them by that. Your son is playing football in the pee-wee league and he gets subbed out and you go ballistic. How could you sub out my son? He's the best player, right? The duck scouts are here. They're already watching him and, and, and it's nutty. And so the coach is like, don't you know how much I give to this? You know, without me, you won't. And so then, okay, fine, i put the kid back in. And now we give medals for anything, right? Participation medals. I don't know if that's helpful because the kids then graduate and they're no longer behind our snow plow. And all of a sudden, they get out there, and guess what? They encounter difficulty on the jobs or in life. And they realize that the only reward in a job for coming in last is you get fired. And then I think there's another thing that's happened in our culture is where we turn when we hit trouble, when we hit the snowdrift, when we're, you know, spinning in circles, where do we turn now? Don't we turn to technology? Hasn't technology become like the go-to? Like it, it used to be some other things, right? Alcohol or drugs or something. We used to turn it but we don't anymore. We turn to our phones. You know why? Our phones now have been designed to release in your brain a chemical. You know what that chemical is? Dopamine. Oh, your brain loves dopamine. It's the pleasure chemical. And literally the designers of most of the apps on there know if we can get this to release dopamine in your mind, it becomes addictive. Alcohol releases dopamine, sex releases dopamine, drugs release dopamine, hyper-addictive things. So does your phone now. So now when we turn to trouble, like 20 years ago, if, if I had trouble, I had really two paths I could take. I could say, you know what? I'm gonna go get drunk, I'm gonna go do drugs. Or I would phone a friend. Bro, I just got this is happening, right? So those were the two routes. Now, I think what has happened is, you can choose alcohol or drugs, still the same. But the other choice is, I'm just gonna go Netflix for the next week. I'm gonna binge on it. I'm just gonna get on my phone and lose myself in my phone. That's what I'm gonna do. And a lot of people choose that. And we don't have the friendships we used to have anymore. So I'll ask young people like, hey, uh, is this person your friend? And this is the answer I get from my own kids. Oh, I follow him. Oh, I follow her. And what does that mean, right? Are they your friend? And here's the gauge if you know if someone's your friend. If your mom dies, do you call them? That's a friendship. And I'm not sure we have those kind of friendships anymore because now it's just this kind of hyper, you know, connected techno ships or something. So we we have like The the, uh, uh, society that's been set up, I think, for difficulty, especially for this next generation. Or there's these kind of, this snowplow thing where we have not gone through the difficulties that we need to, and now our coping mechanisms are technology. And then to make things even worse, here's what technology has done to us. It has made us incredibly impatient. Guilty as charged. I am as impatient as they come. Just drive with me in a car. Every single person in front of me is a moron on their phone. What is that moron on his phone doing in front of me right now? That's me, you can ask my kids. So, totally guilty as charged. And what happened was this, like, when I started ministry, if I wanted a book, I went down to Evangel, showed up there, talked to whoever's at the counter, said, do you have this book? We don't have it in stock, but we have it at our New York store. So we will order it from the New York store and it will arrive here in two weeks. I had to wait two weeks for the book. Then Amazon started taking traction. I could get the book in a week. And then Amazon Prime came around, I could get the book in two days. And now on Audible, I'm listening to it in 30 seconds. Right? It is built into us this like, I want that now. Movies. There used to be a building that you had to go to to watch a movie. You had to actually go and like call them up and say, what time is this, what time is Top Gun showing, right? That's what you'd have to do. And you have to wait till 6.45 to go to the place and watch the movie at 6.45. And that was your only option. How crazy is it now, right? How about TV shows? There used to be these things where you'd watch a show on Monday night at six o'clock or seven o'clock or eight o'clock, and you'd have to wait till the next Monday at six o'clock or seven o'clock or eight o'clock to find out what happened last week. Seven days of patience. Like TV used to actually help you with patience. Not anymore. What can you do now? You can binge the entire show. My kids, this is what my kids do when they're going to watch a show, they watch the last episode first so they don't have to even wait for anything, right? Does anyone else do that? You're such cheaters. You're warping your soul like my kids. I'm like, are you kidding? You you can binge it in like 10 hours. You got to, oh, it's insanity. So we are now in this culture where really the two things that would help us mature and grow, technology is destroying them. Right? Everything that I think matters in life takes those two, don't they? Don't they take time? And don't they take relationships? Isn't that it? So many of you know this, I got rid of my phone. It's now going on 11 years ago. And I'm not against technology. I was just against the the something that was happening inside my brain. Cause 10 years ago when I'd put my phone on vibrate and uh, I'd put it in my pocket, I'd be doing whatever, playing with my kids or walking. All of a sudden, I'd get what was called phantom vibrations. Anyone have those? I don't even know if phones vibrate anymore, but they used to vibrate on silence, right? So, and then I'd like, okay, reach into my pocket, pull out my phone, and there'd be nothing. It was my own brain making it feel like my phone vibrated. How insane is that? It's like your brain is saying, hey, Matt, Somebody loves you and they're calling you right now. You're important. Oh, awesome. Psych, no one loves you. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done with this. Whatever's happening here, I can't do this anymore, right? So I just got rid of the phone. I'm not an anti-use technology, but there was something about like, this is not good. This is being trained by a phone and I don't want that in my life, right? So uh, we have a culture now that if you're just going to be a leaf on it and float downstream, I don't think the end is going to be good. So, what do we do? I think we got to be thoughtful and be retrained. Well, how do we do that? Well, there's this great verse. It's Paul talking to his son in the faith, Timothy. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, temporary, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That we gotta start training ourselves. Like, here's the power of technology to me. So we're in this space right here. We thought hard about how to make sure that this is different than what we encounter everywhere else. So we're not flashing TikTok videos at you or trying to do like big, I try to dumb it down all the time because we have this right here. And I want this place to be a place where God is glorified. It is a sanctuary set apart for him. And we've tried to be really diligent and really purposeful. And and what we do here, right? Even like announcements that we make, we say prayer's a priority. Like we're gonna start out with prayer because that's a real priority for us. So we've tried to like shape things so that it's God-centered. Like, okay, let's get our eyes on God. And so I get up here, I talk for maybe 45 minutes. Some talk shorter than me. Some people talk longer than me. I try to go right right in the middle. 45 minutes, not that long. Let me ask you this question. We're in this space, really trying to concentrate on God, his glory, his majesty. How many of us can sit here for 45 minutes and not reach for our phone and check it for something? Not saying read the Bible on it. I'm saying you're checking for something. Text, likes, social media. How many of us, right? How many can do that? And don't lie to me, I can see you. I know this, look right here. I know that, I know exactly what you're doing. I'm not like, what is that guy doing? What is he looking at like that for? I know exactly what you're doing, all right? That's crazy to me, because the alcoholic's not bringing a shot glass with his vodka in here. Dude, I can't go 45 minutes, like, oh, oh. But man, our phones, like, just back up for a second. Is this healthy? Is the way we're doing life healthy? That's what January is supposed to do to us. And Paul says to his protege in a climate that was ungodly in Ephesus, and he says, bro, you're in a bad culture. Train yourself for godliness. And so that's what we're going to be doing for the next, I don't know, month or so. We're going to look at stuff that helps you and me not be a leaf floating down the river of culture, but actually start swimming like against it and saying, that's actually not a healthy way to live. And so I wanna push back against those things and not just go with the current of our culture. I'm gonna tell us right from the beginning, this is a sampler, that's all it is. There is so much for 2000 years, these have been the practices or the disciplines or the holy habits of people. So there's a ton of information on them. I'm just gonna give you a sampler, that's it. I can't cover it all. And number two, the reason I'm gonna do that, go pretty quick on them is this. It's, Paul says, train yourself for godliness. He does not give a list. He doesn't say, hey, Timothy, fast. Hey, Timothy, pray. Hey, Timothy, celebrate. Hey, Timothy, Sabbath. Hey, Timothy, spend time in solitude. He doesn't give him a list, does he? He just says, bro, train yourself for godliness. Because training for godliness is deeply personal. It's what you need in that moment. Right? So Sabbath is a spiritual practice. It's a holy habit. And some of us, man, we're redlined all the time. we got it in fifth gear, four to the floor. We are going as fast as we can all the time. And it's like, hey, stop. Sabbath. But other people, man, you need to work five days before you Sabbath because you're not doing anything. Right? So it's tailored fit to who you are. And that's really important. And I learned this early on. It was with one of my daughters. She had been moved up from normal soccer to a select soccer team. And she's on a select soccer team and it wasn't going that well for her. So I said, hey, let me help you. Let me train you. You ever try to train one of your kids? <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why I don't coach. So um, I said, okay, we got, uh, I got an hour and like 15 minutes. I'm taking my other daughter to volleyball practice. There's a field right next to it. During her volleyball practice, you and me will go out in the field, right? So day one, I wanted to help her with this, because I'd watch her out on the field and she'd be standing on a soccer field like this. I'm like, listen, I I know that's comfortable and and that's awesome, but there is a stance that like helps you no matter what athletic activity you do. You get down like this, you get off your heels, you get on the balls of your feet, you put your buns out a little bit and and you can explode a lot faster than that. When you're like this, you can't explode to the soccer ball, right? And she's like this, she goes, yes, I can. I'm like, oh goodness. I said, no, you can't. Yes, I can. Watch. And I'm like, okay, run a lap. She's like, no. I'm like, I'm not a coach anymore. I'm your dad, run a lap. She walked the whole thing. I watched her walk. You know how slow it is for someone to walk a track? I'm just like, and you know what's happening to me right then? Woo! I'm like, okay. So she comes back. I said, All right, again, we're gonna. She goes, I don't want you to be my coach. I said, I don't wanna be your coach. Stay out here. I went inside and watched volleyball. Right? (laughs) Hour later, I come out. She's out there kicking the ball, practicing. And she looked at me and she goes, Dad, I had the best practice ever today. I'm like, Oh, yeah, get in the truck. I don't care. So I got rehired. This time I went and talked to her actual coach. I said, How can I help my daughter? He said, this is what she needs to do. She needs to learn to juggle the ball and she needs to practice her left footed in step kicks. I took that, that was the best practice ever because it's always tailor fit. Sometimes we got people on the outside of us that say, this is what you need to do, but they don't really know. And what we really need is our Hebrew 12 heavenly father who says he's our ultimate coach. We need him to be helping us parse out what's needed, what do, what's tailor-fit for me. And let me kind of show you what I mean. So when it comes to holy habits or practices or whatever term you want to use, I don't care. There are two major categories. There's the ones where you engage, where you do things. You pray. You read the Bible. You worship. You're in community, right? Right? And then there are practices where you abstain. You fast, silence, secrecy, Sabbath. And what happens is if my struggle is something I'm doing that I should not do, if I look back at 2022 and I say, man, I wish I hadn't been doing that all year. Typically what I need is an abstaining practice, fasting or Sabbath or solitude to help me overcome that. Or if 2023, I wasn't doing things that I wish I had been doing, then I use my engaging practices because those strengthen me in the things that I should be doing, right? Does that make sense to you? So everything is tailor-fit. I'm gonna give you a broad, doesn't mean you have gotta do all of it, right? It's not like, okay, I gotta do every single one of these things. It's Lord, help me to know what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh man, I don't even know about this. I've never heard about practices. I haven't even heard about this. What, help me understand more about this. Notice what we read. It's verse eight. He says, for bodily training is of some value. So Paul takes something most of us know about. Most of us know that how we treat our body, our physical body, Does it affect the other parts of my life? Right? Does it affect my spirit, my soul, my mind, my emotions? Yeah. So for example, today, I decide after this service, I'm hungry. And I said, I'm going to go to 7-Eleven, see if I can get mugged first. And then I go in and I buy a Slurpee and I buy two pounds of M&Ms and I buy a big package of Oreo cookies and a 32 ounce jar of pepperoncinis. And I eat the whole lot of it. Drink the vinegar on the way home. How am I gonna feel? Am I gonna be like, hey, yeah, but my spirit's still great. Hey, my body, little mm, down, but man, emotionally I'm great. No, right? we're tied together. That's the idea here. I would feel a lot better if I'd ridden my bike home, had some broccoli tofu, and drank a yerba mate. Right? We just already know that. So what Paul is saying is this incredible like insight into exercise, into how you and I treat our bodies, that it actually overlaps and comes out. That exercise affects you. If you exercise, endorphins are released in your bloodstream that affect your spirit and your emotions, right? You're happier. Do you know that? If you exercise, you're smarter. Like our brains spend a massive amount of horsepower doing one thing, you know what it is? Keeping us upright. We are an inverted pendulum. Majority of our weight is up here, minor is down here. So your body is always trying to balance you standing up. That's why, whenever someone has a degenerative brain disorder, what's the first thing you begin to see in them? They start to lose their balance because that's a g- degenerative brain disorder. Well, when you exercise, the University of South Carolina found there's neurogenesis. You know what that means? You got new neurons being formed man, I'll take as many new neurons as I can get. And the old parts of your brain, mitochondria, which is the power plant of those things, are actually developed. Like, it's amazing. So Paul is like, even though 2,000 years ago, none of these kind of medical facts, he's like, hey, exercise, it's a good thing. And it will affect all the other parts of your body, all the other effects of your life by doing this one thing. But he says this, the problem with it, literally in the Greek is it doesn't last. Have you noticed that? You'll work out really hard. You'll really go for it for three or four months. You'll get the six pack. You'll be able to squat 450, whatever it is. But you and I are one month and about two gallons of Lucerne ice cream from an ab and no squats, right? Because it's temporary. Just Google Arnold Schwarzenegger. 1977 versus 2023, right? He doesn't look like he did before. This is not a rip on Arnold Schwarzenegger. He looks like a 70-year-old man. This is not a rip on 70-year-old men. They look like 70-year-old men. That's just the way life is. It does not last. So Paul says, godliness has a whole different aspect to it. What does he say about it? Check this out. End of verse seven. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. You should underline that. What's every way cover? Yeah, whenever you look back on 2022, they think, man, I wish I would've done that or I wish I wouldn't done that. What is it saying? It'll affect that. In every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Godliness is better because it's immeasurable every way. It's imperishable. It's all things at all time. So it's like this. If you're a dad in here, you know this. You have these dad desires, good godly desires, that you wanna be a certain kind of dad. And I can't tell you how many times at night when my kids were down, I'd go up and I'd sit in their room and I would think and pray about the kind of dad that I wanted to be. Patient and kind, loyal, fun, making great memories with them, having food fights at the table when mom wasn't there, right? Singing at the table. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I do that kind of stuff. Telling stories until something comes out of their nose that's not air, like that's good memories, right? For them to be good sports, not good at sports. That's okay with me. I want you to be a good sport. For my home to be safe, for them to know that they are cherished, Right, don't we have those? Those are good dad desires. But I'd sit in that room and then I'd remember the last 12 hours that didn't look anything like that. Where I lost my temper at something that was a molehill and I exploded it into a a mountain. And my daughter spilled something and I freaked out about it. Or I didn't spend time with my two boys. I didn't wrestle with them and have a great time with them. I rushed them to bed because I wanted me time. So there's this disconnect between the dad that I want to be and the dad that I actually am that day. Well, how in the world do we get from what we want to be? How do we change it from what we want to be to what we actually are? It's these right here. These are the pathways every way. This is how it affects you. It changes the core of who you are. These practices do. So godliness is the means by which you and I enjoy the life that God has given to us. You become what God wants you to become. These are the pathway forward. They're a gift to us. It's not a checklist of things to do, it's, hey, here's the way you go forward. So 2023 is full of joy. That in 2024, you're not looking back saying, oh man, with guilt and regret and grief and disappointment. All right? Okay, tell me more, okay? Paul says this, he says, train. He doesn't say workout, he says train. Do you know the difference between training and a workout? A workout is a guy middle-aged, 2023, makes a New Year's resolution, I'm going back to the gym. Even though the last time he was in the gym, it required a support check and a giant rope that he had to climb the ceiling and back down. Decades since he's been there. Gets to the gym and what does he do? He goes off like the Energizer bunny. It is bench press, it is curls, it's Bavarian squats, it's the abasizer, it's the elliptic, it's the treadmill, right? He's going lat pull downs, he's there two and a half hours. And then what happens to that man? He goes to the emergency room, gets an IV. And he goes, I'm not doing that again. That's a workout. Training is very different, right? Workouts is, oh, one time you do things stupid. And sometimes in church, we can do exactly that. You hear a great message on patience. And you're like, man, I'm going to be patient. And you go home and you try to be patient. How does that work for you? Right? I'm going to just gut it up. I'm going to do patience. good luck with that. I don't know how you are patient with five kids. Like it's impossible. How do you get five kids to bed, right? How do you get them to bed without threatening their life, getting CPS called on you or having an aneurysm? I don't know that. Right? I have five kids. I've got a 20-year-old and a nine-year-old. I still haven't figured it out. So I don't know how to do patience. I'll be honest with you. And so we get all jacked up and we go home. We work it out, we think, and then we just give up. Training is different. Training is, you start slow. You take a step. So with each of these disciplines, I'm gonna give you the lowest bar possible to step into them. Not two and a half hours at the gym. No, you gotta train, right? There's a, there's a pace to this thing. And the pace is so important. And all of us might be at a different pace, and that's fine, right? Like, it's okay to be at your pace. Pace it. Move forward. And the second thing that's really important is this, the point of it all. The point of it all is not the discipline. And sometimes there's people that get all wrapped up in their discipline. Everyone needs to study the Bible, and everybody needs to learn the Greek language. No, you don't. English translations are wonderful today. There are so many that are brilliant. You can get to 99.99% with some good English translations. But we make it, everybody needs to do the same thing because I like this thing. Everybody needs to fast Thursdays and Tuesdays like I do. Everybody needs to pray eight hours a day. Everybody needs to praise and worship for an hour and a half till they're weeping on the ground at a puddle. No, you're just making your thing the thing, you're making it the point. What's the point of training ourselves? What's the point of holy habits? It's none of those things, right? What is it? It's Galatians 4.19. It's where we got the name for this series. Paul says this. I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What's the goal? The goal is that Christ is formed in me or you. And when we miss it, here's what can happen in us. The disciplines can actually make us worst kind of people. Right? Because now we think we're hitting it and we're nailing it and you are not. And it turns us into these kind of arrogant, boastful, graceless jerks. That's what happens. Was Jesus ever arrogant? No. Did he ever brag about fasting for 40 days? No. Did he ever brag about going apart into a mountain and praying all night? Nope. Did he ever brag about Sabbaths? No, because that's not the point, right? So the point of all this, the measure of godliness is real simple. It's the gospels. If you wanna measure how you're doing, you never do it against another believer. You always go to the gospels. Is Christ being formed in my heart? Because that's the goal. It's not just there in Galatians. Throughout the Bible it says, the goal is to become more like Jesus, right? Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that Christ has formed in you. Second Corinthians 3, 16. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. That the measure of your training, the measure of your habits, the measure is always the gospels. Read them. That Jesus has a quality of life that is the antithesis of what we live in today, is it not? Was Jesus ever hurried? Like we're the most hurried, rushed, stressed, anxious society ever. Was Jesus ever hurried and stressed? Man, he just had this pace. Heading to heal a man's daughter who's about ready to die. Gets touched by a woman who has an issue of blood and times out for I don't know how long, but long enough. He just did not have a hurried pace, right? just had incredible community. Invested himself in people, constantly investing himself in people, constantly having meals with people, constantly saying relationships are what it's all about. Jesus took a nap in a boat. Taking a nap can be the most godly thing you ever do. You know that? Like parents sometimes, there's, there's a measure of your ability to take stress. It starts out big when you wake up in the morning and you're at a little teeny amount at seven o'clock at night. Well, okay, what are you gonna do about that? Maybe a 10 minute nap, maybe learning how to nap right, right? The Lord gives his beloved rest. That might be the best thing for you. That might be the most spiritual thing you can do so that you can do the second shift with your kids in the evening. It's like learning that this is what Jesus did. He's Sabbath. He had solitude, everything, right? He celebrated. Jesus, he was You know what? They got most mad at Jesus about the fact that he celebrated. He was really good at that discipline. They're like, "Dude, you're always partying. When are you going to fast, man? It's time for you to fast." Was Jesus say, "Man, when you're at the wedding, no one fasts. We feast, right?" I mean, that's brilliant. The whole goal, the whole point of all this is one thing, that Christ is formed in our hearts, that we become more like the gospels. You know what the city of Grant's Pass needs? More people with Christ being formed in their heart and walking out his lifestyle in our families, in our homes, in our culture. That's what they need. That's good works. That's brilliant. And that's beautiful. So that's what it'll be about. I'm going to look at these. Tailor fit for you. You're praying. So here's the one thing I'm going to ask you to do. One discipline for this week. Super simple. It's take time in your car, take time in the morning, take time and just pray this simple prayer. Lord, where in 2022 was I ungodly? And then listen carefully. Matt, you are impatient. You're hot headed. Matt, you didn't develop community the way that I developed community. You didn't have compassion on people that were less than you. You're you're lacking in empathy. You're critical of people. You're unforgiving, whatever it is. And you write those down. And my prayer for you is this. This is what Paul found in life. He found it at 2 Corinthians 12, verse nine. He says, here's what I learned, that Jesus's grace is sufficient for me, that where I'm weak He can be strong. That the weakest parts of my life through this training exercise can actually become the strongest part of my life. That's my goal, that Christ is formed in us.